0: Hi there everybody, Jeff Watts here from the Agile Pubcast and welcome to episode 103. This episode, Paul Goddard and I were down on the south coast of England in a town called Boscombe, which our regular listeners will know we've been to before, but we were at a new bar called James and White. Now any new listeners, you might not be familiar with the fact that we just get together in a pub, stick a recording device in front of us and talk. There's no scripting, There's no real reshooting, retakes or anything like that. So because we're in a pub, we are subject to all the noises that you can expect to hear in a pub. And sometimes some that you don't expect to hear. And in this episode, there turned out to be quite a few of them. Now, we've done our best to tidy them up, get rid of them, quiet them down whenever we can. But who knew how much cutlery needed to be cleaned by one person in just half an hour? The coffee machines, the sirens, the alarms the talking, the plates clanging, all of these things you can hear a little bit of in the background. Our regular listeners, like I said, you'll be used to that, but if you're new, just prepare yourself. We hope the conversation is interesting enough to let you let that go. We thought it was. We had a great chat. Uh, It started with us talking about the lost art of debating, being able to Put yourself in the shoes of somebody else and argue for something that perhaps you don't even believe in, and respectfully challenge one another on the merits of ideas rather than the personal opinions. We talked about differences between coaching individuals, coaching teams, coaching coaches, and coaching up within an organisation, and the status of the coach within that relationship. Before ending up with what's become a relatively familiar conversation recently, of leadership in an agile organisation and what that means, especially during these coronavirus times. The one thing that hasn't changed, and probably never will, is our lovely little jingle, which is coming up very shortly. But until next time, Paul and I hope that you can continue to think positively and test negatively. Stay safe, everyone. Cheers, mate. Cheers, pal. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Nice to be back.
1: Mm-hmm. Another day, another podcast. Oh, that's nice. A bit sweet. Quite sweet.
0: Yeah, nice and crisp.
1: Cornish Orchard, that is lovely.
0: I've got a California IPA, which is nice and, uh, nice and hoppy. We're cold. It's good, good at the end it's of the day. You
1: like
0: cold beer, don't you? Well, I'll, 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 I'll drink anything, to be honest. <laughs> You're not fussy. I'm not that fussy, but uh, no, I fancied it today. Funny, really, because it's not particularly warm. But
1: horrible outside, mate. Horrible autumn, autumnal weather.
0: Well, as you say, there's no such thing as bad weather, just inappropriate clothing. You and um, your you muscle a t-shirt probably <laughs> isn't appropriate for uh, drizzly. I
1: pro- tell you what, October. It's, it's a good job that. Um, well, if you are listening to this rather than looking at it on Patreon, then you'll be you'll be better off at this point. Because, uh, I'm not. Dr- I'm not dressed appropriately right now. Clouds out, guns are out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I've, yeah, I've got um, a t-shirt that's probably a couple of sizes too small for me, but I really shouldn't be wearing. We're going fishing up for this, are not we? Uh, yes. But we're, we're down on the south coast again,
0: in Boscombe, at a place called James and White, which is um, sort of a of bar, restaurant type place, which, which looks pretty nice. We're, we're grabbing a quick drink at the end of day one of a certified scrum professional class down the Scrum Master track of the Scrum Alliance's path to CSP. A virtual
1: one, we should say. Yeah, we're virtual. we teaching in, in, uh, in, on the South
0: Well, Coast. we were intending to be teaching in person. We had the venue that we use, the lovely venue that we use in, in central London is COVID secure, has been, you know, meets the standards. But since government restrictions have been recently tightened, made it very difficult for people to, to come over from the different countries that they were booked from without having to quarantine and quarantine on the way back. So made it impractical, so we have moved it online for the first time. And uh, yeah, after this we're going to do some night fishing.
1: In the rain. In the rain. Looking forward to that. Yeah, we will catch something. No, today went well though, I thought. I uh, think so. was, um, We had to adjust a lot of things to an online audience, to an online setting, but in the main I think it, it was okay. Yeah, I think mean, it was
0: a pleasant surprise really. Um, feedback was good. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say was the most pleasantly surprising part of the day?
1: I enjoyed... So what we do a lot of, a lot more of in our CSP class is um, one-to-one feedback. So if this is an in-person course, Jeff and I would be generally walking around observing a lot more than we would do in our other courses. But we, we tend to set up exercises, ask people to facilitate, lead them as a practitioner, and then we give them some kind of structured feedback based on that. So we did a lot of that today, but we had to do it virtually. Through kind of private messages, really, on, on the Zoom chat, and the feedback we got, we kept getting feedback one-to-one, you know, put privately, um, feedback saying thanks very much, this is really valuable. Um, most valuable part of the course was the feedback, so... What's good about that as well is that that feedback. I kind of never realised this, but that feedback enables people to feel more empowered to give other people feedback, and hopefully some of the um, the good messages, the, the kind of the good techniques, the good um, practice will help coach the coach, you know, or train the trainer within uh, within the other people on the course. So, yeah, ripple effect. Yeah. So that's that's a secondary benefit really. Of, um, us being prepared to give that feedback one-to-one encourages other people to do it one-to-one with their, their peers as well. So maybe that's... that's That, for me, was probably the most pleasing aspect of today. Mm. What about you? Um,
0: I was pleasantly surprised with how the the debate went, to be honest. Okay. Um, without giving too many spoilers away, we, we split the class in half and we give them a topic to debate. Yeah. So, you know, this class believes that... And then half the, half the room have to come up with arguments to defend that statement. The other half have to come up with arguments against that statement, why it's untrue. Uh, and generally, we'll pick something quite contentious. And I was really pleased with how the group managed to suspend their own personal opinions and really get into the, the spirit of you know, empathising with the alternative point of view. Yeah. And that's, that is really the heart of that exercise. It's not about can you argue enough, well enough to win? No. It's not can you bully somebody into submission or find holes in their arguments? It's can you empathise with a different point of view that someone may have and be able to talk to them in a way that opens their perspective and opens your perspective yeah. to their point of view. I was really pleased with how well that went, actually.
1: Mm. There's some really good... So I, you know, I willingly you know, admit that the argument was 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 that well put together that it made me review a lot of my preconceived ideas mm-hmm. about that particular topic, which we won't spoil. But um, no, I think it was. It's amazing, like you say, it's not really about manipulating and and, and cajoling people, but it is largely about trying to present a balanced argument.
0: Yeah. Well, the first thing for me is can you empathize with another person's point of view rather than really focus on what you truly fundamentally believe in? I, I think I'm guilty of this as much as anybody else, but you know, a lot of the, the Scrum Masters coaches within our organization, anybody really, at, at the risk of getting a little bit too deep, general people in within society, mm-hmm. we don't really empathize enough yeah. with other sides of an argument. We might listen, we might let those words come out of their mouths, but do we really hear them? Do we really put ourselves in their shoes no. and consider things genuinely from their perspective?
1: Yeah. But it's quite a, and the, the phrase that came out for me today, um, which I think is quite a nice one, and I don't think it, for a change, it wasn't even me that said it, it was one of our attendees, but he, he mentioned respectful conflict. Hmm. So it's again that debate is it quite could quite easily if poorly facilitated mm-hmm. could become quite emotional quite yeah. um, divisive. But I think a good and I think we don't really see that, that structure that debating format used enough really because it only really works if you're prepared to respectfully challenge. So the
0: structure that we set up to create that space. Yeah. So everybody there, okay, they were on a course and their scrum masters. They've got a servant leadership bias anyway. But actually the calling out of the structured respectful conflict. So this is the point where, you know, you aren't welcome to interrupt. Yeah. Here is where you can ask questions. Yeah. Here is where you can challenge. Yeah. But here is where you can't. Yeah. And that structure Allow people to say okay I can't talk so I might as well listen Yeah, um, and think alright well if I've only got five minutes to ask some questions I better make sure they're good questions mm. um, and yeah it was nice to yeah again without wishing to be too deep it's, it was nice to see people argue a
1: point with respect and also like you've mentioned the beauty of it is you might well end up in a group arguing for a motion that you didn't think you believed it yep. and that's like a that's a, an interesting you know dichotomy for, for most people anyway so but then having to and being open to the fact that maybe my preconceived idea was wrong and then having to argue with with a degree of belief and passion that the other argument is right and then being able to i, I think a lot of people maybe looked at the result end result of that quite differently as to mm. how if you'd asked them at the beginning if they went into it where would they vote yep. they'd probably come up with something quite different I think and that's a, a benefit of that kind of structured debate and many people felt that the structure it was when you're dealing with a group of agile coaches or scrum masters that they're trying to be too polite and, and um, tiptoe around the structure whereas in some, some respects the firmness of the structure is what gives it, it that, Permission. that purpose yeah yeah The permission to challenge, the permission to question. i than just assuming that people will.
0: No, I was was really pleased that it achieved the objective that we put it in the course for, but I also got the sense that it was something that these people could take away and actually use for good within their organisations as a way of encouraging healthy debate, Mm. healthy conflict, in a way, uh, but with a bit of structure. Mm. Yeah. I suppose the other thing that That stood out for me was, um, so we have a few different opportunities for people to practice coaching and we look at the difference between coaching individual members of a scrum team and coaching a team as a team and also coaching other coaches and coaching up Mm -hmm. and how you might have a different approach, different starts, different techniques, but also different personal challenges, different blind spots or whatever you might call them. Uh, when, when in those different situations and there was a real common thread that came through and that, that sense of we've had debates before about whether you need to be technical to be a scrum master you know, whether you need to know this, the subject matter to be an effective coach and we were all probably well aware of my opinions but for those new um, I, I believe that you don't and I'm more effective when I don't know the context um, because I find it easier to stay neutral I find it easier to, to stay in coach mode rather than mentor suggestion mode and that was something that came through today. Once they were in the context of coaching a coach, they all found it harder yeah. to stop suggesting. And they missed some really glaring opportunities to coach well because they, they were projecting their experiences onto the conversation they were having.
1: Mm. I mean, it's so easy. And on the other flip side, not flip side at all, but the addition to that is that a few people commented that they found probably due to the nature that they're on a training course learning as coaches as well as um, being coached. They felt the spotlight was also on them a lot more for doing the right thing. Yeah. Or am I being a good coach because I'm? this coach might also be judging me. Mm-hmm. And maybe the observer in that situation might be judging me as well. So even more put under the microscope, I think that Um, Trying to be, you know, trying to be that, put that extra pressure on of trying to do what they think a coach should do.
0: That's an interesting one. It was sort of doubled in a way because we had, they were on a course where all the people there have some experience with coaching and they know they're there to practice coaching. So the person they were coaching is a coach, but also the person that was observing them was a coach. Now, my experience is that the person you're coaching, is so focused on their particular problem they're not worrying about how good a coach you are they're not looking kind at you, you they're not judging you they just want they just want they just want smarts. they just want to make some progress the observer maybe but that's where the, that's where the value comes
1: But that's what you said today you you called out you said the imposter syndrome But it is basically it's a huge spotlight on you me whoever that I'm going to get called out yeah someone's going to discover me mm-hmm. you know that the, the, the charlatan that I am I wonder if it would have been different so and again we so we talked about this before you might remember this many moons ago but we talked about using actors do you remember this? yes we talked about basically I think this is when the, in the days pre-Covid when we were in London thinking how could we structure a, a course differently and we talked about the idea of basically priming actors to come in and play a role who, and hopefully you play it well mm. as someone who has an issue so and my reason for saying that is if, if you had someone there who wasn't a coach um, wasn't trying to coach someone within yep. a software organisation maybe it's a head teacher of a school or maybe it's you know, you know a, the parent of a kid at the school football team whatever but you know you're trying to change the circumstances change the difference whether people would be able to step out of that their current paradigm more easily and be more natural
0: yeah but is that of any use to them if they're going to go back to the, their Probably environment? Probably no. When the, that's, those are the people that, that they're going to be coaching. So it's about being aware of it and trying to find out what the triggers are. So, okay, maybe it's about the fact that I'm worried that I'm not going to be perfect, that I'm going to be judged. But actually the observer isn't judging them. They're offering some feedback that they can use to get better. And without that, they're, they're just going to be blind to their blind spots. Yeah.
1: Uh, or blind to their habits. So this question... We'll add it in here because I don't think we really had time for this today just due to the nature of online training generally being difficult to time box anyway. But the other element to this question, the supervision question, mm. was coaching up. What's your opinion on how does a coach coach differently? Surely imposter syndrome is also going to kick in there if I think that I'm being judged by maybe someone who's paying my wages or responsible for my career development at a senior level. Would I coach differently?
0: Just speaking from my own experience, I don't think it is for me, but I think it can be for the person that I'm coaching. Right. So I was happy coaching any level within the organisation that I've been in. It's whether the person that I'm coaching sees our relationship as safe enough for them to be vulnerable with me. So it's sort of a bit of your status thing, really, is that can I admit to somebody more junior than me that I don't know how to deal with this? That I have thought processes, patterns, hang-ups that are, that are blinding me to what I would like to be able to do. And some people with their, with their rank will feel uncomfortable with that and they would want someone on their level to be vulnerable in that way.
1: We talk a lot about when you're in that exec level, that C-level, there is an element of acting up yourself about being... If there's a status divide between the person you're mm. coaching, high status, and you, very inferior, low status, yes, you're expecting them to perhaps drop that down appear a bit more vulnerable, but that probably has to be matched by you, you know, kind of playing that role in a bit more of a forthright, authoritative
0: way, possibly. One of the common threads that comes up in a number of different areas is expectations right and so am i expecting that i am going to be coaching that person or am i trying to influence them mm. is that person seeing me as a coach and having that clarity about well what what is the dynamic here because if we're both on the same page that i'm not here to give you an opinion i'm not here to tell you what to do i'm not here to judge your solution i'm here to help you Understand your situation, come up with some options evaluate them and make a decision that you think is you know, the best that you can do right now then there's safety and that that doesn't really matter about the relationships because i've got confidentiality i've got i 've got all the F codes of ethics built in so there's no there's no conflict of interest there um, if there is a conflict of interest then we need to name it and we need to work out if we can deal with it if we can 't deal with it we work out another way of somebody else helping out. Yeah. but i i don't necessarily think it's Acting up in terms of my seniority, I would say acting up in terms of my confidence about the coaching process. So I'm much more confident that the coaching process is solid mm. and I trust the process. And I'm very, very aware and confident in my role in that process. I'm clear as to what I am doing. Surely that the what, is to be yeah, up, yeah. Huh? But this is in terms of me acting up in terms yeah. of status. I'm very, very certain that I know coaching works. I know what my role in that process is. Mm. I know where my boundaries are. And I know how important it is for us to be clear on what our agreement is. Mm. And that's a level of confidence
1: mm.
0: in terms of status. Yeah. I'm, I'm confident. So it's not
1: necessarily about knowledge of the company <laughs> no. or knowledge of what they should or shouldn't do. It's about knowledge of what I'm capable of and what's, what's within my remit. Yeah. Okay.
0: In my opinion. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I get that.
0: And that's, that's how I tend to play things. And I, I can move from industry to industry. Like I said, I've never, I never knew how a telephone worked. I never knew how pharmaceuticals were developed. I've never known the intricacies of insurance. I don't know any of these things, but I can coach those people.
1: So it just made me think of something else. Do you, do you see it as, I wonder if you've, this is a bit meta, but whether you go beyond that process, whether you don't think about, think about it as a process anymore.
0: No, I do. You Uh, do? You consciously
1: check in with yourself?
0: Otherwise, if I don't, I worry that I will slip into problem-solving mode. Okay. Because even though coaching is something that I I believe is in my core, equally, I am a people-pleaser. Equally, I am impatient. I am am a type-A person. So if I don't check myself, those traits will bubble up. Mm. I will want to solve their problems quickly. Because I want to please them, I don't like waste, mm. and I'm impatient. Okay, Fair So no, I I do consciously treat it as a mode, as a as a as a role. Oh. I'm not always going to be a coach, even in a coaching relationship. In my coaching contracts that I'll, I'll have someone sign before I work with them, yeah. it will say there will be times in our relationship when I may, at your request, yeah. play the role of mentor. But that will be
1: very explicit. Yeah. We will call it out. Makes me think about Lee, Sin- Lee Simpson. Yeah. You know Lee? Yep. Lee Simpson, comedy store player. Legend. Very uh, funny man, as well as another, another thing. Lee's one of the only comedy store players who does both what I'd say is serious improv. Okay. And he also does comedy improv. I asked him about that, and he said it is literally, it is like a, a mode that he puts himself in so when he's within the four walls of the comedy store, yeah. he knows that the mode is different. He knows the environment is different and he tailors how he works to that. But then he'll go to a he'll do a dramatic arts performance on kind of death and there's oh, something quite serious or yeah. some kind of social issue. and You just adapt, and you. Mm-hmm. but you consciously check in and check out yeah. of, of various modes. And I, I never assumed it would be like well, that. Uh, I-
0: when I'm working with leaders, this is a conversation that we have, quite an explicit conversation. It's not that there is a right way to be an agile leader as such. It's about meeting your people where they are, helping them move to where they need to be without putting them into the panic zone. So reading the situation and being able to flex your style quite consciously to right. remain coherent. So if, if there, are, there, there may well be times when actually the right thing to do is to say this is the right answer Mm. no negotiation there's no democracy about this there's there's that is it follow this process now those times will be fewer and far between in a more volatile domain and in the right times that is exactly what the people want and what they need but in the wrong times it's exactly what they don't need and don't want and can set the culture back tremendously yeah so being able to consciously and mindfully step into a different form of leadership, different style of leadership, or a different style of improv, I think is, is the key skill. Okay, so I'll go with it.
1: I'll um, I'll dance with that. for Okay. Like. So, COVID, mm. current issue, right? So, because I can think of a, a situation whereby a certain style of management appeared, I won't say what it is now, but COVID happens. What are people looking for? Do you, and, and it's very easy. It's difficult to say that because it's we are six months on. Yeah, yeah. Those things have transpired. And happened. But at the time, there's a lot of uncertainty. People fearing for maybe their jobs or for mm-hmm. direction, whatever. Yeah. But I know. So one company that basically, it seems to me, the default would be, take control. Mm-hmm. Give direct. Give leadership. Give. Give strong. Mm-hmm. We'll get through this. Yeah. But this particular company's response was quite different. They were like saying, "Okay, so how do you, as teams, want to deal with this?" And they just kind of basically organised their own practices, set themselves up at home, and things happened. And some teams did it this way, some teams did that, and they kind of. But things just kind of carried on.
0: Some stayed in the office, some didn't.
1: No, they didn't have that choice. Right. So that was.
0: So they were very firm about some things. Yes.
1: This is a constraint. This is a boundary.
0: Yeah. You must stop coming the office is closed yeah. yeah that was that was a non-negotiable yeah it was very firm it was a clear directive okay that's a directive form of leadership yeah all right and that provides some level of certainty it yeah. provides some level of clarity and assurance and yeah. safety yeah um, but where where there isn't a clear right answer okay then autonomy is allowed to continue so within these boundaries you can still choose how you want to deal with this oh, particular oh. situation. And so that's where, so I'm talking about that contextual thing. So even in that particular moment, it wasn't about one form of leadership. It was about one form of leadership for that aspect yeah. and another oh, form okay. of leadership for this aspect. Right. And being able to flex that genuinely with confidence is, is a key skill these days,
1: mm. in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, So it's almost having, almost being able to, simultaneously play different roles and, and say different things as a leader depending on who you're speaking to depending on the type of problem or depending yep. on the situation at and the same time
0: that, well and that's where I find having something like the Kinevin framework is really helpful because you can have that picture on your wall or on your table write a sticky note for things that are absolutely clear and obvious simple Side. Don't debate it. This is there is a right answer here. This is what it is. I'm just going to st- stop
1: wasting energy debating and wondering about it. Bang. But it's quite easy to assume that once you're in that, yes, that, that everything is there. Yes. yes, everything around us is chaotic. We must do everything very chaotically. Or yes. whatever it might be.
0: Yeah. I'll be careful about using the word chaotic. But the the, um, the 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 trap that some leaders fell into is thinking I now have an excuse. To reduce the anxiety reduce the ambiguity by telling people because they just want some certainty yeah and so it was an excuse to indulge themselves in their command and control behaviors and take more autonomy away from the team than than was due so in certain circumstances actually not allowing autonomy was the right thing for everyone's benefit but the aware i'll say self-aware emotionally aware the leaders were, were quite conscious about where those boundaries should be
1: yeah
0: and that's tough it is tough
1: especially when there's multiple different <laughs> things going on for different people yeah complex system right
0: but we treat everyone the same by treating them all differently yeah but I remember saying this maybe this was on the podcast maybe this was in one of our social distance in things um, we had a conversation with my daughter about this and my daughter's doing A levels so she's about to turn 18 She's so those final exams before you go to university and the, back in March, April, the government said, quite clearly, you will not be taking exams this summer. Mm. That was a, quite a clear directive. No negotiation. We're going to tell you. You're not taking exams. Now, my daughter's response was, okay, but what do I do? Mm. What, what's the replacement? Now, they didn't have an answer for that. That doesn't mean they shouldn't have waited until they had an answer before deciding it, because they still had more time to work out what the solution would be. They just knew it was the right thing to do is to say no exams mm. we will figure out the rest of it later yeah. we will explore that but let's just get some certainty about this yeah. and I think that level of contextualization and you know disambiguation I think is a good thing mm. you know, just split it up into smaller parts this is clarity this is some exploration this is some experimentation yeah, yeah. it's like the idea of national lockdowns and local lockdowns we have some you know, some centralised decisions, but equally we have some localised decisions. That's that's a good
1: thing. That's a normal yeah. thing. It's a balanced thing. But yet the message coming back is it's mixed, mixed. Yeah. From the certainly from the press is that the public are confused.
0: Human beings have a natural desire for order, regardless of how dysfunctional that order is mm. and how um, negative the connotations are for them. They would rather have some form of order than um, a better form of disorder Mm. so we are we need to become more comfortable with disorder we need to become more comfortable with ambiguity but we need to do that gradually and that's 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 the biggest challenge i would say for society as as we've been growing ever more complex Mm. as we're getting away from our comfort levels we're getting away from our security blankets Mm. and organizations are just a sort of i wouldn't say a symptom of that but they're a Uh, It's just one of many different scenarios that represent that.
1: Yeah.
0: It's tough. Ambiguity drains energy. It drains will. It drains motivation. It drains everything. Um, So either we provide certainty where certainty is relevant or we become more comfortable and we create the conditions where we're able to be more comfortable with uncertainty.
1: Yeah. That escalated, didn't it? Yes, yeah, it tr- is interesting. It's, uh, human nature about that plays an important factor, and it, that's what makes it complex, isn't it? It's, it's human beings, really. i have said it time and time again. It's quite yeah. heavy, but there we are.
0: Yeah. yeah. But um, I enjoyed today. I enjoyed the people. These kinds of courses they always leave me feeling positive about people. Mm. I know it's a, they're not necessarily a representative sample
1: of society. It gives, you, it gives you hope not hope, the wrong word but yeah,
0: yeah go on, come on no, just that, that.
1: but good people and there's what's nice about these um, practitioners at the practitioner level and we've had some genuinely really lovely comments from the practitioners that we've taught before at that yeah. kind of CSP level um, and you do generally meet you, you meet people who are really dare I say it, it's a phrase, it's a slogan, but they are transforming their, their companies. Mm-hmm. They're actively trying to change how not just they work, but they're trying to change how they're people around you. Mm-hmm. When you're not strong, like Bill said, yeah, lean on me. Hmm. <laughs> we can do some karaoke to finish you off with. No,
0: no, maybe not. So, yeah, let's make
1: the most of this because who knows? This might be... Well, this is it. With, all joking aside... We might find local or national changes to existing rules might come in, and might you know, that certainty certain rules might come into place that we can't, argue, yeah. that we can't flex on. There's, um, I remember
0: when I was over in the states a while ago, I was at a sports bar, yeah, and there was a you know, these framed sports shirts on the walls and stuff, and some slogans and things, and there was one which really stuck in my mind which was how hard would you play if you knew this was your last game yeah and I I think there's an element of that in Scrum in that we have our sprints okay it needs to be sustainable but think treating every sprint like it's your last one mm. treating every pubcast like it's your last one mm. don't leave anything in your locker no. go it's for true. it true. because this might be the last pubcast we do who knows mm. yeah anyway I'll, I'll stop now no, it's, it
1: good. Was, it's, it's, it's a good point. It was a good chat. Good chat. Hopefully we'll... Uh, we'll be we'll back. Finish. With that said, we'll be back. We'll be back. Somehow we'll be back. It's somewhere way Cheers, mate. Cheers, pal. Cheers, everybody.